Father, we entrust these next few minutes as we just open up your word. We ask that you speak to us and enable us to embrace your word and to believe it. Father, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to embrace it and walk in it. And Lord, let your word come alive in our hearts, we ask. For the glory of no other name, there is no other name that deserves all the glory and all the honor but the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let me see a show of hands of anybody here in the house this afternoon who has ever gone through some type of identity theft. Uh, let me see some hands. All right. Anywhere in the back? Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're going to be talking about this issue this afternoon, safeguarding your identity. Now, <clears throat> I'm referring, of course, to the identity that God has given us in Christ Jesus, who we are in Christ when we come and we surrender our life to him. John 10.10, 10, a very familiar passage, says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says my purpose is, then is to give a rich and satisfying life. And that's the New Living Translation. Life and life abundantly. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says anyone, say anyone. anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation, new creature. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. For anyone who belongs to Christ, they're a new creation, a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So what is this thief after? I believe surely that He'll go after your joy. He's trying to steal our peace, our hope, our strength. He'll attack every aspect of our life and try to even uh, attack and hack into our sanity sometimes. He'll definitely try to work against the unity in the brethren and the fellowship amongst the saints. But his job is made so much easier if he could just target this newfound identity in Christ. Because if he's able to confuse you and I as to who we are in Christ, then he's got it all. He's got our joy because our joy comes from our new identity in Christ. He's got our peace. He's got our strength. He's got everything. He's got our faith. He's got our love. He's got our fellowship because everything stems out of this new life in Christ. And as long as we don't know who we are in Christ, then we give the thief an upper hand as to what he can have a heyday with in our spiritual walk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The thief is after our spiritual life because he knows it is when we know who we are in Christ, when we are affirmed in who we are in Christ, that we can fully appropriate and enjoy the benefits and the glory of this abundant life that Christ has died to give us. So my friends, let it be that you and I would guard this identity in Christ, we would cherish that which Christ has entrusted to us. And we would be not ignorant of the enemy's devices because he's after who you are in Christ. He's after, he, he attacks our faith. He attacks that, that, that just taking him at his word. I believe it because God says, I am who I, he says I am. We were singing it this afternoon. I am a child of God. And in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. I'm no, I'm no longer forsaken. I'm chosen by God. If he can come after that faith that would say, I believe in his word, then my friends, he has got an upper hand if, he, if we allow him to find a foothold in our faith. He comes after your faith. He comes after my faith. He said, Jesus told Peter, Peter, the enemy has asked 
permission to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed that your what? Faith would fail not. He didn't say, I've prayed that your strength would fail not. He, didn't, he could have said, I've, I've prayed that your, your joy would not be waned. He says, I've prayed so that your faith would fail not. He knows that the enemy is after your faith in God's word. Amen? He's after our new identity because this identity glorifies God. Jesus says, I have come to give you life abundant. It's not something you could have worked up in your own strength. It's not something you could have done in your own strength. Times Square Church, this is, only, this is something that only God could have done. Some people come in and look at this uh, magnificent building and they say, wow, I wonder how they did this. Only God could have done it. They see nations worshiping together side by side in fellowship, loving one another, no matter what language or no what bank, background we come from, no matter whether we're rich, we're poor, we're educated, uneducated. Father, my friends, it's the Father in heaven who has done this. By no other hand can this have been done. Our new identity glorifies God. God help us if one day we begin to portray that we've somehow accomplished that which God has done by our own strength. Somehow we, we begin to proclaim the name of Times Square Church other than the, the name above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ who has made this possible. The new identity that we have in Christ glorifies God. It's something that only God could have done. It testifies to this world of the greatness and the goodness of our God. As you begin to appropriate who you are in Christ, your very life becomes a savor of his nature. Wherever you go, on the job, in the neighborhood, on the trains, and in, in your walk of life. He goes against our identity because it's available to anyone. This is a universal message. It's for everyone. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation in Christ. Amen. He goes against our identity because it declares that the enemy is defeated. It declares his own defeat. The old life is gone. The old things pass away. You see, he goes after your new identity because it represents his defeat. It represents what Christ has done on the cross, that it is finished, that our life, no, it's not perfect. It's on the way to perfection. And the old things lose their grip on our life and we become gloriously strengthened from grace to grace and from glory to glory, from image to image, becoming more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. It reminds the enemy that he no longer has any rule over our life. That's why he goes after our identity. Amen. Now, before we get into just the two points that I want to share with you, I'm going to share the two points. The first one is our identity can be stolen when we are found in compromise. And the second one is our identity is secured when it is found in Christ. But before we get into those two points, let me just share with you some common signs or indicators that I that our identity has been compromised. And I've gotten this a little bit from <clears throat> the websites that talk about safeguarding your identity in the natural, talking about your finances, talking about your personal information. They, they list some things that are common red flags or signs, indicators that our identity has been compromised. You may, have, you may be familiar with most of these. We begin to receive bills and charges of things that we don't owe. Raise your hand if uh, most of the bills we do owe, but some. Don't blame all the bills on the thief. Eventually, even calls from debt collectors start coming. You owe such and such, and you have to pay, or this and this and this is going to happen. 
spiritually speaking, also bills can come and charges can come to retrieve funds that we don't owe anymore. Things that have been paid for. Way back on Calvary, it was paid for. And yet the flesh sometimes rises up and demands payment. You owe me. You need to satisfy this debt. It's the least that you can do. And begins to raise up its old nature's head. And begins to demand payment for things that are under the blood. Washed and cleansed by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Debt collectors begin to harass us. And begin to say you owe the flesh this. And you owe the flesh that. And sometimes when, we, when our identity is confused. And we're no longer uh, enjoying the glories of being a child of God. It all becomes about me. It all becomes about my flesh and my needs. And, 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 and our flesh is just demanding satisfaction. And, and if you find yourself. If we find ourselves there where it's all about me. And this brother rubbed me the wrong way. And she spoke to me the wrong. And, and I don't know. I don't like this church because they don't treat me the right way. My friends is something uh, happening in our identity. Our identity is being hacked by the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are a child of God. You are satisfied. You are blessed to be a child of God. We're unworthy to be in the kingdom of God. And the king of glory has invited us in to be his own. And we're arguing and we're murmuring and complaining because this is to that and this is to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a red flag in our hearts when it's all about me, my comfort, and my, my problems, and my, my situation. It's all the world against me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My family doesn't understand me. My kids don't understand me. The church doesn't understand me. The ministry is not there for me. And we go on and on and on. My friends, our identity has been undermined. Romans 8.12 says, brethren, we are no longer debtors to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why Paul could say, I've learned to be abased. I've learned to have many, much, and, and I've learned to have nothing. I've learned to be content in God. Because my identity is found in God, not in what I have or the comforts or discomforts of life. I am content to be in Christ. Because in Christ I have it all. I have it all. He is everything. Just like we were singing. We have everything that we need. In the name of Jesus. Amen. When it becomes all about me. This is a danger sign. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life. Will no longer live for themselves. Instead they will live for Christ. Who died and was raised for them. Amen. We can serve one another when we know who we are. We can be the body of Jesus Christ. We can love one another when we know who we are in Jesus Christ. Let me read to you John 13. This is a very familiar passage. You know, you know this well. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he was come from God. And would return to God. In other words, I don't know if you got this. But his identity was intact. He knew who he was. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. So many people want to know where they came from. It gives them the sense of belonging. My, my daughters gave me an a Ancestry.com kit this, for Christmas. I never thought I would get one. So I spit in the little thing and I send it away. It's taking forever. 
I want to know how much of Puerto Rican I got in me. How much of an Irishman I am, a brother to Nick Cassidy. <laughs> but you're going to have to wait for the results. I'm waiting for them too. Let's get back on track. He knew where he was going. He knew where he came from. And it says this right before it says he got up from the table. That table where, the, where, where it's, it's, it's feeding your soul. Feeding yourself. He got up from that table. He took off his robe. Which represents his position. He wrapped a towel around his waist. Takes the position of a servant. He bends his knee. He pours water. And he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. I don't know. I don't know about you. But I want to know who I am in Christ. So I can take the lowest seat. So that I won't be seeking any applause of man. I won't be seeking any uh, pats on the back. I'll be able to be an unknown. Someone, a nobody. Like the the songwriter says, I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Amen. A nobody. Take the lowest seat and serve one another. And Jesus said, I'm doing this as as an example for you. If me being the master have done this, how much more you guys should wash each other's feet and humble yourselves before one another. Amen? So when we know who we are in Christ, we don't live for ourselves. We live for Christ. Amen? Another sign of that our identity has been compromised is discrepancies in our account balances. We see something that shouldn't be there. Right? I, I know it's happened to me where I go to the ATM and I, I found once a negative 2,000-something 400 balance. And I said, what's that little dash in front of that 2,000? It, it, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. No funds available. Not even no funds. I owe the bank 2,000 something. Negative balances. Negative balances. My friends, you and I can get sidetracked in focusing when we look at our account. We look at our own heart, our own Uh, fleshly nature. We look at who we are apart from Christ and we see a negative balance. We say we can't do it. There's no way. There's no way I can face life's problems. There's no way I can face uh, the temptation. There's no way I'm going to make it because there's nothing here. There's no resources. I have nothing. And the enemy would love for you and I to just be focused on our lack of funds. But God's calling us today to understand that our identity has all the funds that we need. We don't want to fail to see that his provision and his supply is more than enough. His grace is sufficient to meet us at the point of our need. In our new identity, we have all of Christ and all that Christ gives us. All that Christ gives us. Not just his mercy, not just his forgiveness. When the prodigal son came back, he got mercy. He got mercy. He deserved judgment, but he got mercy. Right? He thought the dad dad could have rightfully just came upon this boy for dishonoring his name. But he gets mercy. His father throws himself on his neck and begins to weep and cry. Doesn't even let him finish his, his supplication for mercy. And he begins to just uh, uh, weep on him and, and rejoice because his son who was dead is now alive. His dead, whose son who was lost is now found. But he got more than mercy. He got everything that the father promises through his grace. 
And he says, bring out the fattened calf. Bring out the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. And he begins to lavish his son with all the blessings that he didn't deserve. We get mercy. We don't get what we deserve. But we also get grace. We get things that we could never deserve. Amen? We have all that we need in Christ. Let's not fail to see his providence, his provision, his supply. And let's understand that in spite of our negative balance in the flesh, God has provided all things that we need to live righteously before him. Paul understood this. He says, yes, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But Paul is also able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Paul understood that he was the chief of all sinners. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We need to understand that we are what we are by the grace of God. Not by our own strength, not by our own doing. Amen. And the list goes on. Your phone line gets cut off. Your, your utilities get cut off. And sometimes we find ourselves faint in prayer. It's like we can't connect with God. We feel like there's no use in praying. There's no need. There's no uh, uh, help in, in prayer. I can't, I can't approach the throne because we don't understand who we are. We're like Queen Esther that says, who am I? He hasn't called for me. I can't go. We don't understand that he has calls for, called for us. He calls for us every day. He longs for us while we're sleeping at night. He longs to hear our voice in the morning. He longs to fellowship with us. He longs just like he longed with Adam and Eve to walk with them in the cool of the day in the garden. He longs for fellowship with us, my friends. And yet when we don't understand who we are, that we are the apple of his eye, that we are beloved, that he loves us with an everlasting love, we seem to have a, 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 sky, a, a heaven of, as brass that we can't penetrate in because we don't understand that he has welcomed us with arms open wide into his presence. We don't have to push our way into his presence. We don't have to uh, say the right words to get into his presence. We don't have to pray so eloquently. We I got I to gotta thank him first and I got to praise him and then I got to you know, ask for forgiveness and then I got then in order to enter his presence. What kind of father is that? He rejoices. He rejoices in us. He rejoices. Even if our cry is, oh, help God. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I need you. He rejoices in hearing our voice. Amen. Your phone line has not been cut off. Don't let the enemy fool you in thinking that you have no access to the throne room of grace. I was surprised to see this one in, in the list. A warrant is issued for your arrest. Whoa. Whoa. Well, I've gotten calls saying that the FBI is after me. <laughs> Have you gotten those calls? I've gotten. I've, yeah, those scams, right? You, you just ignore them, delete them, or whatever. But I, this is an actual warrant is issued for your arrest because some criminal has used your identity. Right? And now they're after you instead of that person. My goodness. That strikes fear in the heart of the believer when you feel the harassing thoughts of, of the enemy. You don't understand it's the thief. You, you think it's God. He, he disguises his voice as God's voice after you. It wraps itself in the law and saying, you've broken the law. You've failed God. You've, you've frustrated the grace of God. You've, you've gone too much. You've gone too, too far. God is angry with you. He's not going to forgive you. There's no hope for you. The harassing thoughts just provokes us to fear. 
Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We are not called to fear. Our new identity frees us from that bondage and that harassing voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can rebuke the thief in the name of the Lord and come to the word and says, I am chosen. I am accepted. I am his and my righteousness doesn't come from me. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. Amen. If you feel like the enemy is after you, you feel like uh, the enemy is hacking into your identity and you, you've thought it was God angry at you. I'm here this afternoon to just let you know he loves you so much that he would prepare this little teaching just so that you can know. It could be one person in here that needs to hear that God is not angry with you. Even in spite of your errors, your flaws, your frailties, your failures. Where else are you going to get it right? But in his presence. He's offering you the grace and the strength that you need to make it right. Don't try to fix up your life and then come to God and say, okay, I got it right now. It's never going to happen. Amen? It's not going to happen. He died on the cross so that you and I can have the strength to live this life. So you and I can gain the victory over that thief that wants to say that we're his and we're not going to make it. I remember the enemy breathing down my back saying, you're just cut out just like other family members in your, in your family. You're just like so-and-so and such-and-such. And, such and you're not going to make it. Your marriage is not going to make it. You're, you're just done. You're done. And I heard that. I didn't know it was the thief whispering that in my heart. I didn't know it was the thief. I didn't discern, oh, this is the enemy speaking. I just thought this is truth. This is truth. I know I'm not going to make it. This is it. I'm going to fail. I, I, I literally almost accepted it as a reality. I'm not going to make it. But the word of God came. The word of God came. Just then. And said David. Called me by name. David. You're born again. You've got a new life flow. A new life source running through you. It's a new life. It's a new family. All things are passed away. You're not cut out of the same cloth. As so and so and such and such. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And you're going to make it. Not because of who you are, but because of who God has made you. Amen? Who God is inside of you. So, first point. Our identity can be stolen when we're found in compromise. Compromise, mixture. In a place where we shouldn't be. Number one, handling lightly that which comes from the Father. Treating as if it's worthless. Disregarding that which is, should be treasured and should be cherished in our life. Do you remember Esau? Esau was the firstborn, and it was, he was entitled to the birthright. But the word of God tells us in Genesis 27 that Esau despised his birthright. He disregarded it. He didn't esteem it as precious in sight. And Jacob, his brother, takes advantage of this disregard and handling lightly that which comes from the father. He took advantage of it, and he takes his birthright. And then with a little help from mommy, you know the story. He takes the identity of his brother, dresses up with hairy arms and everything, same robe, same everything, and he pretends to be his brother so he could steal the blessing from the father. My friends, when you and I live in compromise and we disregard that which is precious, 
That which God has given us is precious. The enemy takes advantage. He has a heyday with us and he begins to confuse us as to our identity in Christ. Now, I want you to understand. Uh, Galatians 2.21, by the way, Paul says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. I don't treat it as something worthless. But we could also be found in compromise when we try to handle our own life by, by, by confidence in the flesh, through confidence in the flesh. Instead of trusting God, we trust in the arm of the flesh. We, we try to do what only God says he's going to do in our life. You see, Jacob didn't have to disguise himself as his brother to take the blessing. It was prophesied that he would be the one to be blessed. It's, it's at, at birth, at birth, it was said of these two boys, they were twins. But it said that the, the elder would serve the younger. It was prophesied already. The blessing was there. But mommy and him got a little bit anxious. They kind of like had to help God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's a place of compromise as well. Not just treating lightly the things that come from the Father. But trying to handle our life through confidence in the flesh. Trying to work about the miracle of God in our own ability. When God is the miracle worker. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Trying to push doors open and say, God called me to ministry. I'm going to push the door open and go right through. Let God be God. Let God be God. I'm going to make it happen. What? Let God make it happen. We make a mess of things when we try to make God's promises happen. Instead of just trusting God who has promised to fulfill the promise. Amen. That's faith. Knowing that he who has promised is faithful to complete it. Amen. We make a mess of things. Not only did he fool his, his dad then. He had to run away from his family. Run away. Live with Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban brings back his own uh, stuff on him. And uh, on wedding night. You know what happens on wedding night. He thinks he's marrying Rachel. Must have been dark in the tent. Because you can't even tell that it was Leah in the tent instead of Rachel. Leah's probably faking it all the way through as he's saying, I love you, Rachel. I love you, Rachel. She's quiet. She's not going to give away the secret. The deceiver being deceived. My friends, you don't have to try to be anybody else. You don't have to deceive and work your way in to the ways of God. Young person, young girls especially, you don't have to try to look like anybody else that the media is portraying before you. You don't have to spend hours trying to learn how to do your makeup right. You don't have to feel inferior because your body doesn't look or your nose doesn't look. As guys, you don't have to have the build that, that everybody's just pushing in your face. You can have a dad bod and be proud. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't put that in the notes. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is you and I are unique we're loved by God we have a, a beautiful identity in Christ and we don't have to try to be anything else anybody else I'd love to have Patrick's hair where's Patrick I'd love to play piano like, like Greg I'd love to dance like Mama May But I am who I am. I am who I am. By the grace of God. Times Square Church. We don't have to 
be like anybody else. We could be unique as a congregation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank God. Thank God that we don't have to try to do things in our own strength. We can trust God. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Not trusting in my own ability to make it happen. Trusting in the Son of God who saved me and gave himself for me. You remember young David. He had already been promised the kingdom. He was going to be king. He was going to take the place of Saul. But he got desperate because it wasn't happening in the moment. Guys, God has promised you a spouse. And sometimes you get desperate. And you stop waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And you go after it in your own strength without asking God's guidance. You say, I'm just going to go for it. And God, you're, God, you're going to have to tag along and bless me later. I'll deal with the consequences. I'm getting desperate. I, I, need a, I need a mate. My friends, young David, he goes into the enemy's camp for refuge. Because Saul was persecuting. He goes where he didn't belong. He's, he's not supposed to be amongst the enemy. The Philistines are... are He's, he's encamping with the Philistines. He's a place where he shouldn't be. And thank God, by the grace of God, he, they, they reject him. They send him out and say, go back. These people don't trust you. He goes back to Ziklag where his family is. And his, his whole family and the whole city had been rampaged by the enemy, by the Amalekites. And had been taken captive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When we're walking in compromise, it even affects our children. It affects our household. It affects everyone around us because we don't know who we are in Christ and we're trying to do things in our own strength instead of trusting the God who has called us. Abraham was secure in God and he was able to go in after those who had captured Lot. He was secure in that he was God. He wasn't looking for his identity and how many children he had or he didn't have. He wasn't looking in his own strength. He was an old man who was promised children. He wasn't even looking for his identity in the promise. But in the one who had promised. The one who had promised him was giving him his identity. Amen. And he's able to be bold and to go into the enemy's camp and take back what the enemy had stolen. And David has to encourage himself in the Lord. And his own men wanted to stone him. His own men were turning against him. I mean, it's an it's a identity crisis. It's like, I thought I was called by God. And look, all of ministry is turning against me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like, wow, I thought this was going to be, everyone's going to know that I'm anointed. Everyone's going to feel that I'm blessed. Don't they see that I've been called, that Samuel anointed me? What are the, why are they talking about stoning me and turning against me? A crucial moment, but he went to God. He went to God. He called for the ephod. He said, I need a word from heaven. I need to hear from God. I am his and he is mine and I need to know what to do. And God told him, you go, you go now. And you're going to recover all. Amen? Amen? My friends, when we know who we are in Christ, we can go into the enemy's camp. We can fight for our children. We can bring them back. The enemy has boasted that he has our children, that he has this generation. But we're going in the strength of our God, in the knowledge of who we are in God. And we're taking back what the enemy has boasted that he has had. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lastly, our identity is secured when, we're, when it is found in Christ. When it's based on his work, when it's based on his word, 
And lastly, when it's based on what we're worth to him. Our identity needs to be based on his work, not ours. Sometimes our identity comes from our job and, and our career. Oh, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher, I'm a minister, I'm a preacher. And sometimes our identity can, can shift from, from being a child of God. All of a sudden now it's all related to what we do to earn a living. Or our identity could be found in how much we earn or how much we have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or how educated we are or how many certificates are on the wall or diplomas. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But our identity must be found in his work. In what he has accomplished. Not all the stuff that we have done. Philippians 3.7, Paul is referring to his pedigree and his upbringing. And all the zealous works that he had done supposedly for God. Right? In his blindness as a Pharisee. And he says in Philippians 3.7, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Because of God's work through Christ. Romans 8.34 says, Who is he that condemns you? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Galatians 3.26, For ye all are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, by faith in his work on Calvary. What he has accomplished for you and I. My friends, our faith and our identity cannot be found on our accomplishments. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad this church is the way it is. Uh, I, I grew up in a church where every preacher that would come up would receive an introduction of how many certificates, how many diplomas, how many masters, how many doctorates they had. And it kind of like validated the message. Okay, wow, we got to hear from this person. This guy's, this guy's got degrees in archaeology. I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like the church validated the, the, the message by all of the accomplishments of that person. I'm not judging the person because the person may be saying, oh my goodness, this has all been of God. Everything I have, I don't know their heart. But do you understand that in this church, we trust in no other name but in the name of Jesus. We exalt no other name but the name of Jesus. We trust in no other work but in the work of his hand through his church and through his body. Amen. Our identity must be based on his work. And not our work. It must be based on his word. And what he says about us. I am who you say I am. We were singing. I am a child of God. John 14.26 says. The Holy Ghost will bring back to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have told you. So in the word. As we read the word. The spirit quickens it to us. And we hear who we are in Christ. Through the word of God. Our identity has to be based on the word of God. In fact, they recommend for identity theft that you collect your mail daily. Because some thieves go into your mail and take your, your personal information. Let's check our mail daily. Amen. They recommend that you update your firewall settings. Whatever those are. All I know is that Zechariah says, Zechariah 2.5 says, For I said the Lord will be unto her. Jerusalem, his people, a wall of fire, a firewall round about him, and I will be the glory in the midst of her. Amen. We need the word of God to become our firewall of protection. It says to review your account statements carefully and regularly. We need to go back regularly and carefully and understand who we are in God. 
so that we could know that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In other words, our identity secured and our inheritance assured. No enemy telling us that we don't have the resources that we need. The word of God is telling me I have all the inheritance that I need in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our identity needs to be based in order to be secured based on what we're worth to him. And I close with this. Not on how many followers we have on social media. Not on how many likes we got because we posted something. Not on how many pats on the back we get or how many compliments we get from man. But on the fact that he's called us to follow him and to fellowship with him. Amen. And we are worth something to him. If God before us, Romans 8:31, who can be against us? When we understand that God is for us, that he loves us, he has not rejected us. We get bold in the name of Jesus and we say, who can stand against us? This trial, this situation, this sickness, this doctor's report, this family situation, this financial need. Who can stand against me? If I know that I am worth something to my God, who can stand against me? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us the right standing with himself. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The only thing that would confuse us in our identity is if we don't believe it. But my friends, you and I are unlovable. That's, that's true. We're unworthy of his love. The day we think that we merited it, we, we've missed the whole point of his grace. We did not deserve him to die on the cross for us. We do not deserve to be standing with breath in our lungs and our heart beating in Times Square Church this day in 2020 right now in the sanctuary. We do not deserve it. And yet he has loved us with an everlasting love. Galatians 2.20 says, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God. That means trusting in the word of God. Who loved me. He showed me my worth. He shows me that I'm worth something to him. And gave himself for me. He did the work. And I enjoy the benefits of it. Let's stand. I don't know if this altar call is for one. Or for a few. But if you've been harassed by the enemy, we need you to come up to the front and declare the goodness and the greatness of your God who says you're chosen, you're mine, you're not forsaken, you are a child of God. In the Father's house, there is a place for you. 
There's life and life abundantly for you. If the enemy has convinced you of anything less than an abundant life, come down in the name of the Lord. You come like David says, I'm going after that which the enemy has boasted to have and to have stolen from me, going into the enemy camp and taking back what the enemy stole from me. Because Jesus said it's mine. Jesus says it belongs to me. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic, drug addict, prostitute, or you've been in church all your life. You need a new life in Christ. You need God to come and do his work in you. Salvation is not something we do and what we did by raising our hand. It's something God did. It's a miracle. He takes our heart, sprinkles clean water, gives us a new mind, a new heart, a new desire for him, a new outlook on life, a new love for people. God does the miracle. Amen. Let's trust God to meet you at the point of your need right now. God, we come and we acknowledge that your word takes precedence over everything that the enemy has tried to convince us of. And God, we come and we rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but you said you came to give life and life abundantly. And what you did on the cross crushed the head of the serpent, crushed the enemy's head. So you are victorious. Be victorious in our life. Be victorious in our situation. Be victorious in our hearts. And Lord, change us from the inside out and give us new life and let us give us the grace to enjoy the glories. Father, we pray that you crush fear in our life and everything that the enemy has wanted to harass us with, we give it to you. And we say, make old things pass away and make all things new for the glory of your name. We will give the glory to no other name. Even if we forget who preached what message and who sung what song, we will always remember that it was you who touched us and you who worked a miracle in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.